The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. All right, church, let's lay some groundwork together this morning before we jump in. Um, and I want to do this quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time here as we got a lot to get to. Um, but here at Stone Oak Bible, we place a high value on the preaching of the Word of God. Uh, we believe, and we hold this, we hold this to be our authority and to, to be the very Word of God uh, to us and for us. And, and because of that, we believe preaching to be the people of God together, uh, sitting under the word of God together, delighting in the presence of God together. Okay, that's what preaching is. That's why we hold it to such a high um, value here as a church. So in other words, the pulpit is not, or in my case, the camera, um, is not uh, a, it's not about self-help. It's not about some political uh, statement or rally. It's not even about some activist uh, campaign. Now, it might and often does uh, call us to action. It might and it often does even give us powerful principles that we can walk out in obedience, right? And it, it often even informs our politics. But first and foremost, preaching again is the people of God together, sitting under the word of God together, delighting in the presence of God together. And because of this, the pulpit is not an opportunity for the words, positions, or opinions of any person, any leader. Instead, the pulpit is for the word, the position, the truth of our God revealed to us and us sitting in his presence as we sit under it. Now, you might hear that and think, okay, we get it. Um, Pastor, why are you wasting our time talking about this this morning? Um, here at Stone Oak Bible, we will we have from from the very beginning we've preached through books of the Bible, and what that means is that we will just walk through books as they come. So as culture kind of ebbs and flows, and as we face all the things we're facing in culture, we have decided as a church to just stick with the Scripture as we just walk through it, and we've been amazed at how often um, we. Uh, we arrive at the right text at just the right time. We've been amazed by this, but we've stuck with this approach since the very beginning. Um, Today is a little different. Uh, It's a little different because today we are at the Psalms where we are looking at a Psalm each week. And I want to be very clear right up front that I chose this Psalm for this morning. Um, through prayer, and as I have seen what we as a community are facing, 
As I have seen it, I chose this psalm this, this morning for us to walk through. But hear me, what we have said, what I have said at the beginning, still remains absolutely true. We are not here to listen to me preach my sermon using this psalm to, to support my points and so that I can say what I want to say. It's not why we're here. What we are here to do is to listen to God's word and, and through his spirit, who is alive and he is at work in us, through his spirit, sit under his word and allow his word to help us engage with what we are facing right now as a community. That's my prayer and that's my heart. Um, this psalm that we're going to be looking at is Psalm 82. Uh, psalm 82 is what is, is called a, um, by many a community lament. A community lament. Um, so here's what this means. Let's kind of pick that apart. So communal, community or communal uh, means that it's not just an individualized thing. It's not just a, uh, you're going to hear this all throughout this morning, but it's not just a me, myself, my Bible, my Jesus kind of thing. No, it is communal. It is it, that means that the people of God have come together uh, to say this, to proclaim this psalm as a shared reality, as a shared truth and a shared struggle. Um, church, far too often, we are far too individualized. We are far too individualized. And as we're going to see today, when it comes to justice and injustice, an individualized approach is insufficient. It's insufficient. So this psalm is communal. The second part of that is it is a lament. It is a lament. In other words, um, things are not as they should be. There's a brokenness. There's a sin. There, there is a communal failure that has caused communal lament. There's a brokenness over things that the that things are not, as I said, the way that they should be. And that is what this psalm is. It is a communal lament about injustice. Now, um, let's survey the land ahead a little bit. So this psalm is, Psalm 82, is eight short verses. And structurally, pretty important here to see, what we see here is is a psalm, eight verses with two bookends. So verse one and verse eight, the bookends, and kind of the meat is in verses two through seven, as you'll see as we walk through this. This psalm, again, it deals with injustice, a community's response to injustice, and our God's response to injustice. Um, so let's dig in. Let's dig in here. Verse one. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. He holds judgment. So this church is our first bookend. And, and honestly, it sets the stage and it gives us one of the most important truths that we need to see not only here in this psalm, but to see in our life. Um, so let's look at this. As we start in, 
we, we read again that God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, our text says, that he holds judgment. So we have to ask, what on earth is going on? Uh, what is going on? Well, this is a good time for us, church, to give some definitions here. Um, honestly, this psalm is, it can be very difficult if you're unclear of definitions. Who is what and what are we talking about? Um, so right up front, I think definitions, this would be a good time for definitions. And specifically, we have two questions here, is, is what is counsel? What is this counsel? And who are these gods that we see here? So first we see this divine counsel. This divine counsel, uh, meaning that this is kind of the courtroom in which our God, divine, is in control. It's the council of the divine. It's the divine courtroom. That's what the scene is here in this psalm. And then, and then the second thing is, who or what are these gods um, here? In this context, you're going to notice in your translation that that the this gods is is written in lowercase. Um, that says something. Uh, and more than that, you're going to see from this context that these gods are not immortal, they're not heavenly beings. No, no, no. Instead, these gods are men, are men. And let's just be real specific, real clear here for the sake of time. These gods are the judges, are the judges of the people of this community. That's who is being addressed That's who's being talked about here. They're the ones charged with, in other words, upholding the justice in this community. So you have to ask, like, why are they called gods then? Is that not strange, Pastor? Um, And the answer is, in all honesty, yeah, especially to modern language. It's a bit odd to use this, this, this language here. But we see in other texts that scripturally this isn't all that uncommon. We see in other texts, gods, always lowercase g, um, being used for Moses, for leaders, for judges. So it's not uncommon in scripture to see this, but it is important for us as we roll into Psalm 82 to understand kind of who is being talked here. And so with those definitions, it kind of sets the stage for us to see this scene. And I want to I want to read to you this. This is, um, I love the way Eugene Peterson, he's an author, a pastor, Uh, translator of the message, um, if you're familiar with it. Um, I love the way that he summarizes this first verse of Psalm 82. Uh, Listen to this. He says, God calls the judges into his courtroom. He puts all the judges in the dock. (laughs) That is exactly, church, what is going on here and exactly what we need to see. See, God has placed the judges, the leaders, the government officials, he's placed them where they are and given them their responsibility. It's huge. And these judges, although they're given much power in the community, are always under the sovereign authority of our God, who, and they will give an account They will give an account to the ultimate judge, our God, to the ultimate judge. See, our God is not anti-government. He's not. In fact, he establishes government, as scripture will say in many places, Romans and and, and specifically here, um, that he establishes government and at the same time, all earthly government 
will give an account. Will give an account. And here in this psalm, God calls the judges into his courtroom and he puts them all in his hot seat. That's what we're seeing here in the start of Psalm 82. Here's what he is going to ask right off the, off the bat. So let's roll into verse two. It says this, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Now, if you remember, uh, Selah is that mysterious word that kind of gets put here in the Psalms to kind of it's an instructional word that tells us, you, tells you, Paul, slow down, don't rush, right? Uh, reflect on this. I love the way Selah is used in this text. If you look at it, Selah is dropped in right after God asks this question of the judges. And I love it because it's almost like, it's almost like it's saying, hey, this isn't a rhetorical question that you can just kind of Breeze on by, no, no, that's not it, Selah in this moment. I'm going to ask you this question, and I want you to pause and reflect and chew on this. So God says, judges, how long will you judge unjustly, and how long will you show partiality? There was a systemic communal evil and injustice here that 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 flowed kind of downward in this community. And God is calling those who had been given and entrusted with the responsibility of, of keeping justice, of maintaining justice. He's calling them to answer for judging unjustly, for showing partiality, bias or prejudice to the wicked. And he says, how, how long? See, God cares, church. God cares not only for the individual, which he absolutely does, but God cares for the community and for justice. God cares about this. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase. Um, you probably have. The phrase is so heavenly minded that I am no earthly good. Have you heard that? Um, if you've heard it, if you've used it, if you like that phrase, I apologize for what I'm about to say. But um, <laughs> uh, the idea of this, this phrase is just lousy. It is not good or scriptural or helpful. Um, and we just don't have the option. <laughs> A better way that this phrase should be said, maybe, is um, that we are so heavenly minded that we are earthly good that we bring um, heaven down, the kingdom of God here. See, that's a more biblical way to look at um, our life and our communities. Uh, God cares about this, and we should care about this. Now, verses three and four, after the question, now God is going to, to give them this command, to give this command to the judges. And he says this, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. 
That is their charge. That is the charge that God gave them. That was their task at hand. Um, to give justice to the weak, the fatherless, right? To maintain the right of the afflicted, the destitute, to rescue the weak and the needy. Um, that was their charge, to deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That was what they were supposed to be doing. This is all about, church, if you look at this, this is all about the vulnerable among us. That's what this is all about. It is about justice for those who are in a position Right, that leaves them exposed to abuse. Whether it be the fatherless, the afflicted, the destitute, poor, weak, needy, whoever, whatever it is, these are the people who are exposed and vulnerable in this community to abuse. And here, rather than Rather than bringing about justice as these judges were charged to do, rather than doing that, these judges were, if we look back, were charged with showing partiality to the wicked. In other words, they were showing partiality to those who would abuse the vulnerable. Turning on their head, on its head the, the very command that they were, or the very responsibility that they were, were given. Um, God's heart is for those all throughout scripture, for those who are vulnerable and God's command church is for us to take up that call of justice. Now, um, although this Psalm is, is directed specifically to the judges. Notice what we said earlier in the context of this whole psalm, and that is that this is a community lament. What this means is that the entire community feels and laments this brokenness, and that is why this next verse, church, is so, is so challenging. This next verse, verse 5, says they neither... They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. And then listen to this, church. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Again, I want to I share how Peterson, Eugene Peterson, summarizes this in, in this verse, verse, verse 5. He says it this way. Ignorant judges, head in the sand judges. I love that. Um, they haven't a clue to what is going on. And now listen to this, everything's falling apart. The world's coming unglued. Church, when justice is ignored, when justice is ignored, it tears at the very foundation of our community and causes, as Peterson says, it to come unglued. Right now, um, we are facing the, the re-emergence of, of the sin of racial injustice and prejudice and tension in our nation. Right now, we're, we're seeing, and, and listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care what color your skin is. You should care. We, 
together should care. Injustice seeks to unglue um, the community. And no matter what kind of injustice we face, whether it be racial, socioeconomic, um, cultural, a people group, whatever it is, all of it, church, breaks the heart of our God, and therefore it should break yours too. God has, in Ephesians, tells us that he's broken down the walls of hostility through Jesus Christ. And he's created a new man. And now, as scripture reminds us, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. We think, um, we like to think a lot about heaven and, and to set our mind to what's to come. And, and for good reason, and we should not stop doing that. We like to think about heaven, but don't think for a minute that our God does not care about the here below, the here and now. Don't think that it does not matter because one day it's all just going to burn. Who cares, right? Don't give yourself to that. No, church, our God cares about our community. And we should too. And to ignore justice is to see the very foundations crumble of a community. It's to see it just all shake and come unglued. This matters. And and God now turns us in our text. He says, he makes this statement, this proclamation. He says, verse 6, I said, you are God's sons of the Most High, all of you. In other words, I have placed you there. You are have been given this stewardship, judges. Um, You have been entrusted with this responsibility. And then he says, nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. What a reminder, church. The king's Government officials, rulers, judges, as powerful as they might be, are they, they come and they go. They live and they die. They are mortal. Yet, church, let me remind you, our God remains. Our God remains and justice will reign with him. See, our God is sovereign over government, not removed from it. He will call all men to give an account, especially those leaders. We'll give an account because justice matters. Justice matters. Uh, Let's finish with the final bookend um, this morning. And remember, this is a communal psalm, right? This is a communal psalm. So the community together cries this out. Verse 8, arise, O God. Judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. In the midst of their circumstances, their present circumstances, in the midst of what they are facing, the injustice that this community is facing, they find their comfort and they find their rest in the fact that God will judge the earth. Not only do they find their comfort, but 
here, in fact, they are calling out for it, saying, God, oh God, judge. Bring your judgment. Judge the earth. Bring your reign, God, because with your reign comes justice. Oh God, judge the earth. All of this, everything is yours, your inheritance. It's all yours. And we are able to press on now as a community because we know that through the trials, we have a hope in Christ that cannot be taken. He is bringing perfect peace, perfect justice. Come back with me to the mantra that we've kind of had as a church throughout the last several months. The mantra that's kind of been on repeat, which is that our God is sovereign, our God is good, and therefore we rest in him. Our God's sovereign, he's good, and therefore we, we can rest in him. If we think about that in the context of this, of this psalm, see, our God is sovereign. That includes over government, rulers, authorities, and situations. Our God is sovereign, and our God is good, meaning he is a God, the God of justice, perfect justice. That's who our God is, and therefore, because of that, we can rest. We can rest in him. We can rest in him. Now, there are three things here that, that we, we need to see as we look at this psalm together before we close. Um, the first thing that we see here, our, our response to injustice must be rooted in the gospel story. Our response to injustice must be rooted in the gospel story. See, in what we're facing today, it could be very easy for us to see all of this that's going on as maybe a political thing or a, you know, an activist thing, a black thing, a white thing, a rich thing, a poor thing, however we want to classify it. When our response, church, must be rooted in something deeper than that, the root of our response must be found, church, in the gospel story. The gospel story that tells us that we have all been created in the image of our creator. That tells us that that there is sanctity to all human life. As our psalm says in in our text today, the fatherless, the the weak, the afflicted, the destitute, the, the needy, life has incredible value. All life has incredible value. And therefore, church, we rise up and we defend and we call out for justice. The gospel story tells us, calls us, not to elevate ourselves, but to humble ourselves just as our Savior did. The gospel, see, rests on Christ who bore all injustice so that all who come to, who call on him might come to God the Father as a son and a daughter, as a brother, as a sister, as a co-heir with Christ. Church, justice is not a political issue. 
It's also not an issue that just happens to be in the news a lot today, but it'll die over soon and we can move on and get back to normal. No, see, church, justice is rooted in the gospel story. Because we are Christians, we are about justice. Our response to injustice must flow and be rooted in the gospel story. The second thing is, is church, our response to injustice must be lament as a community. It must be lament as a community. Church, this psalm, remember, is a communal lament, meaning a community came together broken and crying out not just for the individual sins or the sins of one singular individual, but broken over the collective systemic sins that they see in their community that led to injustice. There is a collective responsibility here, a collective lament over over this. And, And although this psalm addresses directly these judges. Um, the community as a whole laments. Church, we f- what we face today, um, we need to lament together as the people of God, as a community. We must lament together that things are not the way they should be. You and I, we might not fully understand all of the complexities that is going on. Scratch that. You and I definitely do not understand all of the complexities that are, is going on here. None of us do. None of us do. But we together know enough, we see enough to lament and to come to our God on our knees. You might say, Pastor, I didn't do anything personally, right? Um, I didn't personally do anything wrong or racist. And um, good, good. But church, we are missing the point. We are missing the point because we must begin to care bigger than that. To care bigger for, than that, not just a for me and mine kind of thing, but for us and ours, our community, our nation. We need to be brokenhearted for what breaks the heart of our God. We must care bigger than this. We must begin to see things are not the way they should be. And our God's heart breaks for injustice. Our heart should break for injustice and we should lament. We should lament for our, as a community for our community. And third, lastly, from this psalm, um, our response to injustice must be full of hope. See, it's easy, especially today to give ourselves over to all kinds of discouragement, to fear, and to just hopelessness. Church, our God is not done. Remember the way um, our psalm ends as the people cry out, Arise, O God, judge the earth. And then they make this proclamation, You shall inherit all the nations. 
all of this is yours, they, they claim. You are sovereign, you are good, so we can rest and we can hope. In the midst of what we are facing today, we can have hope. That our God is just, that he reigns, and that all of this is his. Listen, if you hear nothing else this morning, nothing else, if you've heard nothing else this morning, I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ came to conquer sin. All sin. Not only your personal sins, your personal fallenness, but church, Christ came to have victory over all sin, to make things right, to redeem creation. Even the systemic and communal sins that we see are conquered through Jesus Christ. This is why we preach the gospel, share the gospel. Um, this is why we spread the gospel, shine the gospel for all to see. This is why, because our God so loved the world that he sent his son who willingly came, rose from the dead, sent his spirit to unite us, seal us, to comfort us, to empower us together as his people. This morning, if nothing else, I hope that your view of the gospel just got a little bit bigger because Christ came to conquer sin, to make all things right, including all injustice. That's the gospel hope. The gospel is big enough, good enough, powerful enough to face injustice and win. I'll say that again. The gospel is big enough, is good enough, powerful enough to face injustice and win. Do you believe that? I finished this morning with a text that I just want to read and it comes from Colossians 1. And I would just love for you as I read this, just to take this in. Colossians 1. Verse, starting in verse 15. He, that is, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominion or rulers or authorities in our psalm or judges. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And then church, listen to this. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
Our hope is in the peace that is brought and bought by the blood of his cross. Our hope, church, is Christ.